0: What's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I'm Cody Goodwin, and joining me today, Mike Rodak. Mike, how are we doing?
1: Doing good. Two more days until kickoff of, you know, the biggest game that I've covered in that stadium since 2019, LSU and Alabama. It's definitely uh, going back even further, maybe, in terms of non-conference games in that stadium. So it's it's a big one, and I think everybody's looking forward to it.
0: I think, uh, and, we'll, and we'll talk about this on today's show. You wrote a story today about Alabama's um, receiver situation. Um, we'll dive into that in a moment. But one line you used: their biggest non-conference game of the Saban era. Which, like, I read that and got goosebumps. And it's like, oh man, like this is this going to be a fun game? Um, we'll talk plenty about uh, Alabama, Texas. Going to be a good one. Probably the game of the week on the week two slate in college football, set for 6 p.m. Saturday at Bryant Denny Stadium. Um, but before we get to the actual game itself, wanted to look back at some of the news of the week and uh, really wanted to start here. Um, dropped a story this morning, Mike, Bama 247, that looked at Alabama's receivers. A um, lot of interesting little nuggets of information there. Um, wanted to start here, something that we've all kind of known. Last season was the first since 2017 that the Crimson Tide did not have a 1,000-yard receiver. If you go by receiving yards, Jermaine Burton led the team with only 677 yards, um, lowest total for an Alabama leading receiver since Marquise Mays finished uh, 627 in 2012. If you go by receptions, it was actually running back Jameer Gibbs who led the team with 44, um, and that's also the lowest total for an Alabama leading pass catcher since Julio Jones recorded 43 in 2009. So those are some jarring numbers for a school that's produced guys like Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Jamison Williams, who transferred in from Ohio State, but still. And it becomes an interesting topic of conversation, as you so um, you know aptly wrote, ahead of this Saturday's game because Texas has some really good pass catchers, right? Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, who transferred in from Georgia, Jordan Whittington, Jatavion Sanders at tight end. So, Mike, I wanted to start here kind of a two-part question, Um what sparked your interest in looking into a story like this? And then also, what did you learn as you researched and talked to people throughout the reporting?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that, you know, when I was watching the the Texas game last year, you know, the Alabama Texas game, I was actually I was on paternity leave, so I wasn't at the game, but I was watching from home and
0: always on the grind.
1: Yeah, it uh it you know, it was one where offensively Alabama looked so challenged in that game, and it wasn't as if Texas, you know, had The 85 Bears defense just seemed like, from a wide receiver standpoint, you know, they weren't getting open, they weren't getting downfield, there wasn't the explosive passing game that, you know, for the first three or four seasons of, of me covering the team had been so commonplace. I remember my first season was 2019, and one of the first games I covered was New Mexico State, you know, terrible opponent, but you watch Jerry Judy run. 85 yards, you know, take a slant and take it to the house. Next week, I think it was South Carolina, Henry Ruggs slant over the middle, 75 yards to the house. Like that's what I was used to watching. And it was much different watching, even with Bryce Young, who had just won a Heisman, that game in Austin last year, trying to get things working with, you know, Gibbs out of the backfield, who was a good receiving option for him. But, you know, Treshawn Holden was catching passes. Uh, Brooks, you know, just started the second season. Burton. Uh, was in the mix. I think he had two catches for 10 yards in that game last year. It just they looked so challenged. And that really continued. Um, you know, to certain extents. So there's there's games where the receivers I think had better games than others, but even the Tennessee game, um, I remember looking at some stats during that, and that was, you know, third Saturday in October, middle of the season basically, and their numbers were so far off from where, you know, the receiving numbers were through seven or eight games the couple of years prior. And um you yeah, know that's it's a problem because that's kind of how they designed that offense. And that's something Nick Saban talked about time and time again. Like he changed his offense. He felt like that's how you needed to win in college football as quarterback and the passing game. And that's where they were recruiting really well for a while. And again, why was it all changing um, in, in 2022? And, um, you know, a lot of those questions carried over into this offseason, into this season, because it's basically the same group of personnel Um, you know, you do add Malik Benson, um, you add some freshmen, um, and Jalen Hale and Jaron Hamilton and Cole Adams, but overall it's, it's the same group of players. And so they're going to need to be better. Um, I I think if you're going to win a national championship in this day and age, you still need a a passing game and, um, this, this team needs to take a step forward. So that was really the, the, um, you know, the, the, the crux of the story is that this is a game where. You're going up against, like you just mentioned, Texas has dudes that wide receiver. Um, Xavier Worthy, you know, who Nick Saban just said the other day is, you know, an outstanding receiver, probably one of the best in the nation. I don't know if you can say that about Jermaine Burton. I don't know if you can say that about Corey Brooks. I don't know if you can say that yet about Isaiah Bond or about Malik Benson or about Kobe Prentice. And uh, this is an opportunity for them on a really big stage to, to show some of that. Granted, you're not doing it with Bryce Young anymore. You're doing it with Jalen Milrow, and there's, you know, a host of other questions that come along with that. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of where, where they are. And, um, you know, it's it, it's obviously more reliant on the transfer portal. You know, they hit on Jamison Williams. Uh, they did not hit on Tyler Harrell. I think Jermaine Burton was an iffy hit last year. Um, you know, did not do much against Texas, did not do a whole lot against Tennessee, did not do much against LSU. I think his best two games are really towards the end of the year. Um, you know, the Auburn and, and Kansas State games, he, he started to show something and then he you know carried it over into this first game against Middle Tennessee. But as Nick Saban said after the game, it's it's one thing to separate against those defensive backs and a different thing to separate against Texas. Is. So that's that's the main and not that they're going head to head, but I think the passing game of Texas compared to the passing game of Alabama in this game is um, one of the big side-by-side comparisons that you know I'll be watching because if Texas is able to do what they were doing in, in early in that game last year and Alabama's not able to continue doing what it's capable of doing or what it was
0: capable of doing under Bryce Young, then it, it could be a, a tougher game for them to win. Absolutely. One of the things I really liked about the story, um, and I'm going to go ahead and put it in the show notes. So if you're listening, um, on podcast, or if you're watching on YouTube, uh, go click, check it out. Got to be a VIP. Um, so Hey, subscribe to Bama 247 while you're there. Um, but one of the things I really liked about this story, Mike, um, is that you kind of went into detail about possible reasons why Alabama maybe saw a drop off in receiving production, um, coaching, recruiting the transfer portal. That was literally the order of you know how you wrote them in the story is that maybe how you'd rank them or which do you think is maybe the biggest factor i know you talked about the transfer portal about guys you know leaving and coming in um you know what'd you kind of learn you know from that you know would you in talking to people like which which do you think is the biggest issue
1: yeah probably the opposite order from that um (laughs) yeah i don't think coaching is is having a big impact i think nick saban has a lot of respect for holman wiggins he's uh, I mean, Wiggins was here when Devontae Smith was here and he won a Heisman. He was here when, um, you know, Jalen Waddell and, and Jamison Williams was here. Um, he's developed those guys really well. You know, he's their second highest paid coach. He's been extended. Um, I think that certainly shows a lot of, um, you know, respect and, and admiration on Saban's part. And, you know, I think people will probably point to Bill O'Brien, too, last year. But Bill O'Brien was also the coordinator two years ago. Um, and, you went up against Georgia's defense in the SEC championship, and, you know, Jameson Williams had a, a huge day, and that that was kind of the best game, I think, that Bill O'Brien called. So, you know, there I think there were questions about O'Brien's play calling last year, I, but I don't think coaching is the biggest issue that that goes into this wide receiver issue, if you will. Um, you know, recruiting is part of it, and that's what I got into as far as, you know, the 2021 class was, was the big one where Alabama missed. Um, and, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, I think for a while seemed like a hit. He had that big iron bowl two years ago as a freshman where he had to, you know, the touchdown catch to tie the game with seconds left. And then he came out pretty strong last year. Um, but just did not seem to have a great fall camp this year, was suspended for the first half of that middle Tennessee state game. Where does he stand right now? He might be their fourth receiver, fifth receiver, third receiver. We'll have to see kind of where he fits in on saturday but it seems like he's lost a little bit of ground and then he was their best recruit that year and this is his junior year like this is the year he should really be making his move um and then the other three are gone and Ajay hall who was just a spectacular failure um in terms of a a guy with a lot of you know off-field personality type of, of issues with him and his approach and um you know i remember the a day game 2021 he had a huge game was making all these acrobatic catches and a lot of people were excited about him and then You know, he started to get disgruntled during the year because he wasn't playing and was going on social media about it. And Saban was getting irritated when we were asking about him and he gets suspended for a game and then comes back. And all of a sudden he's playing the national championship game because Jameson Williams and John Metchie are hurt and has a big catch in the national championship game. And then he drops a touchdown. I mean, it's just whiplash with that guy. And then um end of that getting suspended the following spring, you know, leaves school, goes to Texas, gets arrested at Texas, gets suspended by Texas, leaves Texas, and he's nowhere right now. So that was a big miss. And that was, um, you know, a player who I think, again, he would be a junior right now. That would be, if they had hit on him, a pretty big piece of their puzzle. You know, Christian Leary uh, was another one that year. And, um, you know, more of a speed guy, but didn't really play too much his first two years. And he's gone as well. Um, you know, and there's, there's players from the, the previous class too, a Sean Holden and, and Tyu Jones Bell, uh, who are also gone. And, and those are still you know pretty highly recruited players too. So it's, uh, you know, recruiting, I think is part of it in the 2021 class was tough because of COVID and because of all the restrictions on camps and visits and all that. And that's, that's part of what we talked about in the story was, it's a little bit tougher to evaluate guys. But, you know, the third and, and final factor, that I think is probably the biggest is still the portal. Um, because you're not able to develop these guys or keep them in your program to develop them, get them straight, maybe they could have kept Jai Hall. Um, And, you know, he was kind of pushed out the door to some extent. But, you know, there's the way it was a few years ago, a guy might not have a great first year, might not have a great second year, but he was still going to be on campus and you could still continue to work with him. Those guys are gone now after a year or after two years. And that's really been the case with their receivers. And, That's something Saban's talked about, how much it's affected their depth. And, um, you know, your starters next year are your backups right now, but your backups right now are leaving to become starters right now. And they can do that at at other schools, like Jojo Earl, another one from that 2021 class is, you know, at TCU right now. um, So, you know, you have to get guys through the portal, and they've tried doing that. And Williams was a big hit, and Tyler Harrell was not. And and that's, again, if Tyler Harrell had a big – year last year we probably won't be talking about this right now um so you gotta still hit on either it's like the nfl you gotta hit in your draft picks or you gotta hit on
0: free agency and i'd say for a, a couple years stretch there for alabama they didn't do either absolutely um one of the things i noticed just kind of looking up um you know stats that you brought into the story and just kind of looking up a few other things here and there is you know and even from like, you know, coming in from Big Ten country, really only kind of casually watching Alabama, they've always had a dude that they could just like spam to in the passing game, right? Whether it's Julio, whether it's Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, you know, and then, you know, from 27 on, it was, you know, Jerry Judy had Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, John Mechie. Um, last year, it didn't seem like they had a guy that they could just, you know, get open, we'll get you the ball type um, receiver. And... Still way too early to tell if that guy is going to emerge or develop this year. But last week's uh, season opener against Middle Tennessee, Isaiah Bond led all Alabama receivers with five catches, 76 yards and a touchdown. Jermaine Burton, 362 and one tight end Amari Nyblack had 249 and a touchdown. Kobe Prentice had three catches, eight total pass catchers recorded a reception in the opener. Mike, if you had to guess um and again way too early to tell if any of these guys will hit a thousand yards but who do you think is the most likely candidate for alabama if you know one of those guys is going to be a thousand yard receiver this year
1: i think bond has the most potential not to totally write off burton or brooks at this point but you know i I think it's going to take a lot especially with at quarterback i don't know if they'll have a thousand yard receiver this year but i think you do make a good point that even you know back in the the days of you know, let's play joyless murder ball and run the ball all day. Like they still had guys at receiver. I mean, Julio Jones was a high NFL draft pick. Amari Cooper was a high NFL draft pick. And he was kind of at that period where they were transitioning under Lane Kiffin. Um, but they still had those guys. So I know a lot of people look at this year's Alabama is going to move back to running the ball, which, you know, I think is all indications are they're going to do that to some extent. Um, but it doesn't mean you can just erase the wide receiver position off the face of the earth. And you still need um, either one guy who's really a lead and reliable or a few guys who, you know, can do some different things and, you know, kind of put some stress and some defenses down the field. They didn't have a lot of that last year. And so you're asking about like, who, who was their go to, I mean, it was Gibbs out of the backfield uh, for Bryce young, a lot of the times, or it was Cameron Latu in the red zone at tight end. And, um, you know, I think, Gibbs obviously impressed, you know, the Lions took him 12th overall and what he was able to do, but it's, it's hard to really, um, threaten a defense with a running back being your, your main pass catcher. Um, it's just, it's tough to do. Um, you need some guys to, to push the ball down the field. They didn't have that. And I think the tight end issue too, is, is not to be forgotten here because there was a few years here where the tight end was just not part of the offense. Um, and that's because they had such, you know, strength at wide receiver, um, but accordingly, they didn't recruit all that well, uh, you know, among tight ends. And then you have schools like Georgia that are picking up Brock Bowers or even Texas with um, Jatavion Sanders. And the better tight ends are elsewhere. Um, so Amari Nyblack is, I think, the guy who has the most potential in that room. We saw a little bit of that um, with his catch against uh, Middle Tennessee. He had one catch last year for a touchdown. And, um, you know, he's the most athletic and Maybe can provide some of that to them. They recruited better at tight end going into next year's class, you know, with Caleb Odom. Um, But it's still, you know, if the better tight ends at Georgia and the better wide receivers are at Texas or A and M or LSU or you know Ohio State, then Alabama needs to be better somewhere else. And they're not better at quarterback right now than anybody else. I don't think they're better at offensive line than anybody else. And their defense is potentially very good, but I don't know if it's better than Georgia's. So it's like, where are you better? Uh, Where are you – can you just line up on any given Saturday and beat the team because you have the team that you're playing because you have better players at that position or or that side of the ball? And um, there's less of that this year than I have sensed or felt, um, you know, through, let's say, my first three years here especially.
0: Yeah. Um, Week one, not – didn't answer all the questions. Um, We saw a lot of good things, but, you know – I think that, you know, and this will lead us right into Alabama, Texas, um, this week will tell us a lot more, I think, you know, just certain matchup wise, you know, I don't know that this is going to be the be all end all if one receiver has a big game. I don't know that that automatically means he's the dude, um, you know, and we'll get into some of those matchups there, but it, I mean, it was very intriguing. It'll be very intriguing to kind of watch Saturday. Um, you know, Texas likes to do a lot of spread stuff. Everybody knows how Sark likes to run his offense, get the playmakers, the ball in space and let them do their thing. So, um, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see the contrast in offenses, you know, because Alabama fans know how Sark does his thing. Um, I think they're still getting used to what Tommy Reese is is doing or at least what he's added to what Nick Saban wants to do this season. And we saw a little bit of it. Um, You know, a lot of tight ends on the field, Um, you know, took some deep shots in the second half. Not so much in the first half, maybe a couple deep passes. But, um, you know, it was it was interesting. I thought it was very vanilla. Um, And so, I, you know, leading into this second week, um, be kind of interesting to see what they do. And so maybe, maybe that's the transition now into Alabama, Texas, week two, 11th ranked Longhorns. They beat Rice 37 to 10. Alabama obviously thumped Middle Tennessee. Maybe we should start here. Um, And I know we're just transitioning off the wide receiver conversation, Mike, but what... What's the most intriguing matchup, or what intrigues you the most about this game overall between Alabama and Texas?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think it's Alabama's, or sorry, Texas's receiver in, receivers against Alabama's secondary. Um, again, it's not a head to head battle between Alabama's receivers and Texas's receivers, but I think Texas has the better skill position players. Um, you know, granted, the running back position, you know, there's a, a drop off there um, for Texas, having lost Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Uh, they do have Keelan Robinson, the former Alabama running back, but um, a little bit more to prove, I think, for them at running back. But uh, it's going to be these wide receivers against this secondary. I, I don't think they're quite even close to the LSU level of 2019 with Joe Burrow and Chase and what they were able to do. You know, Justin Jefferson coming in here to Tuscaloosa. But there is some potential there from Texas. Again, I think the ceiling on Xavier Worthy is is higher than what Alabama has at that position. The ceiling on Quinn Ewers is higher than what Alabama has at that position right now. And, um, you know, there was issues. I remember 2019, both inside linebackers were out with injuries in terms of, um, you know, Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan going down. You had a freshman in Christian Harris starting. Um, You had a freshman in Shane Lee starting that game against LSU and LSU took advantage of it, you know, the whole day, took advantage of, you know, some of the issues in the Alabama secondary that year too. So, it's dangerous having Sark coming in with, you know, an offense that's already shown a little against this defense last year and then having either Malachi Moore and Jalen Key play or they, or they play, but they're not a hundred percent or they don't play at all. And either way, I don't know if you're talking about a fully healthy group of safeties, you know, those two plus Caleb Downs, um, and then, you know, it's, it's still, it's a big test for Terry and Arnold. Who I think there's been a lot of positive momentum for him compared to, you know, kind of him losing his job in the middle of last year, but you know, how does he perform? Um, you know, I think Kool-Aid and, you know, maybe Caleb Downs, you can trust them. Even Caleb Downs is a freshman. You think you can trust them in, in this situation, but um, there's a lot of potential on the Texas side of the ball and a lot of potential to start calling plays and, Again, I don't think it's necessarily LSU coming in here and just ripping through this defense like they did four years ago, but um yeah, it it's I think this is gonna be more than a a twenty point game like it was last year.
0: I'm very intrigued to see what Texas does against Alabama's defense because Alabama's defense is not rice, but rice did a lot of, so I I'm a sicko and I rewatched the Texas rice game last night just to see if there was anything I could pick up. Um, and you pick up a few things when you watch stuff like that. I know it's week one coaches are really vanilla, not that they're holding plays, but it's like, it's the first week. It's the most basic install. Let's kind of see what we have here. Um, you know, Sark's offense, it, a lot of pre-snap motion, um, get the ball to his playmakers in space, um, struggled with deep shots, but, I mean, it was very apparent that they were force-feeding a guy like Xavier Worthy. So, you know, I don't know that Saban ever has a cornerback follow a receiver, but, like, you know, does Kool-Aid just follow Worthy? Probably not. Um, the other thing I think I'm, I'm really intrigued about, you know, so I get to finish that thought, communication in the secondary is going to be key, which is what makes... You know, Malachi Moore and Jalen Key, like, are they going to play? How much are they going to play if they do? Um, I think that will be very crucial to Alabama's defense. Um, On top of that, I think Alabama, there was a lot of respect paid to Bijan Robinson last year. And I wonder how much, you know, because Sark knew that Alabama had to respect him, how much did that open up a lot more of the offense? Now that there's not a Bijan in that backfield, like how much does that allow for a little bit more flexibility for Alabama's defense? How much is it just, you know, let's put Deontay Lawson on the running back and play with the other 10 guys. Um, You know, and then on top of that, the, the, the pass rush I think is super important too, because if I, if Alabama can get pressure on Quinn Ewers, I don't think it matters who their receivers are. Right. Which is really that's, I mean, that's an intriguing part too, because I, I, I think intriguing because Rice got some pressure on Texas last week like they did some good stuff putting Quinn Ewers in situations where he was just uncomfortable we saw last year when Texas played Alabama that first quarter when Ewers went like 9 of 12 for you know 100 plus yards or whatever it was and it looked like he was about to carve up Alabama's defense um it was quick snap first read go like he did not waste any time he got the ball out quickly um obviously when you got Will Anderson and Dallas Turner blitzing off the edge like you need to get the ball out fast um, can Alabama's, you know, secondary cover well enough to make Ewers go to his second read? Or can the pass rush get home fast enough um, and kind of learn from what Rice did to make Ewers uncomfortable? Because if you get in his face and you pressure him, he is he's not good. He's not good. Like the stats show that when he's under pressure, he is just a totally different quarterback than when he is, you know, perfectly protected. So some of that's duh. Um, but I wonder how much that'll play into, you know, the Texas receivers having a big day against Alabama secondary, which is entirely possible if, you know, Sark does what, you know, we know that he's capable of doing.
1: Yeah. And that was a quiet game for Will Anderson last year too. Probably maybe his worst game of the season. He had a couple of penalties too, and people were down on him after that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that pass rush uh, that we saw from middle Tennessee state or against middle Tennessee state was what they need. I mean, Dallas Turner, Braswell, Quandarius Robinson, all combining. Um, and you're right, you might be able to go lighter. You know, they they ran a lot of um, three defensive linemen type of sets against Middle Tennessee State. Sometimes they do that. Um, sometimes they only go two. Alabama will. And, you know, you play two your edge guys instead um, with the two defensive linemen, with your two inside guys. And then you run your nickel behind that. And, you know, I can see that being there. Approach for this game. Um, You know, I think it'll be interesting to see in the secondary. You know, let's say Moore and Key don't play, hypothetically. Is it Christian Story who starts at that safety spot? I would imagine so. He was the guy who came in um, when Key was hurt in his past game. Devontae Smith doesn't seem like he's close yet to returning from his foot injury. I think he would have been the guy. Um, And then what do you do at star? You know, they've, they've tried to train Terry and Arnold to play there. Um, even in their dime package on uh, Saturday in the opener, they moved Arnold inside and put Trey Amos outside. So I could see that being their strategy. If more can't play in the slot, having Kool-Aid and Trey Amos outside two veteran guys, and then Arnold inside on the slot, I you know, think they, they might trust him more than um, Earl Little who's technically the backup star, but, Hasn't really played too much on defense, you know. For a game like this, maybe you want a couple guys in there who have played a lot more college football, and you know, Trey Amos certainly has. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they do back there. But yeah, they need—they're going to need some some guys to get after yours, and um, going to need to shut down the running game so that doesn't become something that they have to be more and more concerned about as the game goes on, and, and try to make Texas one dimensional and um, you know cover worthy Sanders, those guys one-on-one better than they did last year. Cause there was penalties I and mean, they had the most penalties in school history. I think in, in this game last year, uh, certainly the most in, in Sabin era. Um, and that was an issue between, you know, Brian branch and Moore and Kool-Aid and Kyrie Jackson was starting at corner in that game. So, um, obviously something they need to do better this year.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, I keep coming back to like the Tennessee game where Heupel did a lot of pre-snap motion and, you know, moving, you know, a guy like Jalen Hyatt who's got world-class speed, you know, into stacks and it really just confused Alabama's secondary, um, you know, and so I hear Saban throughout the preseason talking about, you know, secondary communication and how those guys just need to be on the same page so that they don't, you know, blow coverage like they did against Tennessee or like they did against, um, You know, LSU at times or even Texas in that first quarter, like just, you know, you, you can't get beat over the top against a team like this, um, you know, so it makes me wonder, like on that side of the ball, like, I think this is a pretty big Caleb Downs game, like, you know, because I, I think th- the other thing that Sark's going to want to do in addition to getting his playmakers the ball is Let's test the young guy. Like, let's see if we can line up or get a specific matchup that pits, you know, one-on-one. Let's put Downs in a situation that's going to stress him and see how he does. And if he, if, if, you know, if Texas wins, like they'll obviously take it and they'll probably keep spamming it until Downs does otherwise. Or if Downs can win that matchup whenever it shows up, um, you know, whether it's one-on-one or forcing him to make a decision one way or the other, if Downs is able to win that. Um, then I think if you're Texas, you probably live with that decision because you you just want to test the young guy to see what he can do. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Like there's, there's a lot of intriguing parts about watching this Texas offense go up against this Alabama defense. Cause you know, at times in rewatching the game, like the Texas offense struggled quite a bit against rice. Like they, they struggled running the ball in short yardage situations. Um, You know, their offensive line has been touted in very similar conversations to Alabama's offensive line. And we'll touch on that here in a minute, but not very impressive running the ball. Um, you know, they gave up a handful of sacks. They gave up a handful of pressures um, throughout the game. I, eventually as the game wore down, you know, I think Texas finished with like 158 rushing yards, but like a lot of that came in, you know, late third, fourth quarter when they just wore down rice, bigger, faster, stronger team. They ended up pulling away and winning, um, you know, but I, I just, I wonder what is like, what is Sark going to do to either counteract that? Is it just a discipline thing? Um, so I don't know. Like, there's just a lot of interesting things, and I think this could be, you know, a big game for Caleb Downs to prove that, you know, he really is this dude that could play like Minka for Alabama for the next few years. I don't know. Like, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something where matchup-wise, if you're looking at Sark, what, you know, personnel packages do I put on the field to have the best matchup? I could see him going a little bit heavier on wide receivers trying to get Alabama into their – obviously, they're going to be a nickel a lot, but their dime – Uh, You know, especially if if they don't have their full complement of of players back there Um, and, you know, running, like you said, combinations that that put stress on the safeties. And, um, you know, in Saban's defense, is not easy to to run as as a defensive back. I mean, the the pattern matching and the recognition things that they need to do before the snap and as guys release from the line and passing guys off and, and picking which guys to cover. I mean, it's not a straight man. It's not a straight zone. Um, It's a complicated scheme for any defensive back to play. Again, all indications are that Caleb downs has done a very good job picking that up, but, you know, Stark certainly knows, you know, the Saban defense and um, from going instant practice for a couple of years. And, you know, I think can probably draw some things up that um, cause some decisions for guys that are are difficult, you know, on the fly. And, um, you know, the crowd noise too, it's, it's, potentially could be a factor for this secondary. If the crowd's really into this game, um, when Texas is on the field offensively, then the pre-snap communication between, you know, the defensive backs it does get hampered a little bit. That's just sort of a uh, uh, a hidden cost, if you will, of having a loud crowd um, for a game like this. And so, you know, Downs and Kool-Aid and Arnold and those guys are all going to be communicating with hand signals, communicating back to the sideline with hand signals. and. Um, that's that's something they'll need to make sure that they're doing well um so you know it's that and and also if texas tries to go fast which sometimes does stress alabama um that's also something that communication wise especially if you're on the far side of the field you're the corner away on the other side of the field trying to look back at the sideline that that's always a tough situation um and that's where tennessee's hurt them that's where Ole miss has hurt them with their speed on offense and um again i don't think sark is is uh is ignorant to that, shall we say?
0: The other side of the ball. So we're talking Alabama's offense versus Texas' defense. Equally is intriguing because of all the things that jumped out in rewatching that Texas game. Um, it's a good defense, man. Like this is early in the fourth quarter when the A team was on the field. Rice had six total rush yards, four total first downs, and three turnovers. Um, they got some dudes in the middle of that defensive line. Tavondre Sweat is the main guy that Alabama is going to have to key in on everywhere. Jalen Ford is another opportunistic linebacker. It's a mean front seven. Um, And so, you know, I think back to Alabama's offensive line, talking about how they want to make people quit, how they want to be dominant. Um, We didn't, I don't know that we saw that against middle Tennessee. Like they were, they were good. They weren't great. Like if you want to make a team quit, middle Tennessee is probably the team you want to make quit. Um, But, This Texas team is going to be a different type of challenge. Um, And in the same vein that I think Sark might test the freshman Caleb Downs, you know, Texas offense versus Alabama's defense, I think Caden Proctor in the same way, like this could be a big game for him. Like I think he's going to get tested quite a bit because he, again, against middle Tennessee, he played good. There were no glaring misses, but he missed a few reps here and there. Didn't finish a couple blocks. Um, You know, Jalen Milrow took a couple of hits because, you know, Proctor didn't just, hang on to his man for an extra split second after a throw. I, I, I wonder how much, you know, and Texas did a lot of blitzing against rice. So I wonder if they'll just, you know, is this a game where they, you know, he's the freshman, he's the weak link. Let's load up and see if we can blitz on that side to try and get, um, you know, Milrow out of the pocket and out of rhythm a little bit. Um, I think that could be another interesting battle to watch in this game, specifically when you flip, you know, Alabama's offense versus Texas defense, because that's, I mean, everybody was talking about Alabama's offensive line versus Texas defensive line last week during the Middle Tennessee game, um, you know, as a matchup to watch in this week two game. But I think specifically, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Texas just decided to go after Proctor until, you know, the same way we were talking about downs, you know, prove that you can stop it, kid. Right. And so that I think that's maybe a big thing to watch. What do you think?
1: Yeah. And part of it's Milroe too. I mean, that's something I think you, you even noted in your, your notes after the game that Jordan Rogers was commenting on Milroe needing to shift protections or handle things better at the line uh, when he got sacked twice. And even though it was the running back, you know, in pass protection there and Jan Miller got blown up on one of those, um, you know, part of it still lies on Milroe in, in order to get guys in the right spots and, you know, check out of the play or whatever the case may be. Um, and that's something, you know, it's, it's gonna to be tougher to do against Texas than Middle Tennessee State. You know, Texas is it's a big boy defense and you know big boy defensive coordinator coming in. And it's gonna be a little bit more complicated. So, um, that's that's something that, yeah, it's it, yeah. And I'm wondering too if there will be any changes on the Alabama offensive line. I know we've seen some different looks from the practice tape that they, you know, graciously allow us to, to view um, on Mondays and Tuesdays with Terrence Ferguson who was at left guard and one of them um, next to Proctor, next to McLaughlin suggesting he was with the first team. And um, I know that was one of the things we saw early in camp, but then they said Ferguson wasn't quite as good with giving Proctor what he needed to know on the outside and they moved Booker back to the left. Is there a benefit to putting Booker on the right next to J.C. Latham and then you have probably your two best defensive line or uh, offensive linemen on the right side and can you run behind those guys who combined are about 700 pounds and does that give you an advantage putting those two guys together from a, a running game standpoint on the right side um, and having a strength where you can hand off to Jace McClellan who's a pretty physical guy have two linemen you trust and you know, you start to you know kind of build a a path forward on that side. So there's different ways to attack it. Um, but yeah, this is a game where the offensive line is going to need to prove that it's the the sort of strength and asset to the team that they think they can be this year. And they've talked about um, wanting to be, so yeah, that's, that's the key for the Alabama offense, I think is going to be the offensive line and um, you know, the pass protection, but also how effectively can they run the ball and how much stress can they take off Jalen Morrow to, you know, be throwing the ball and, and trying to do more than what honestly a lot of people think he's capable of doing against a good team. I mean, that's just the reality with him is that people don't think he's um, a great passer. and Maybe he can prove that, but you know, the, the less you can put yourself in that spot uh, where you, you're trying to make Jalen Miller prove it, I think is better for him.
0: Yeah. Um Obviously I'm going to be curious to see how, how they help Proctor, what they do with the offensive line. You know, they, do they, they ran a lot of 12 personnel last week. Do they continue to do that? Maybe use one of those tight ends to, you know, chip help off the edge, help Proctor a little bit here. And that, you know, like do you take Robbie Oots and just like install him as like the honorary left, left tackle um, just to help with whatever rush Texas is going to send that way. Um, The other thing too, is like, how do you, you know, Texas did a lot of blitzing against rice. How do you do that? Do you take advantage of that and run a lot of screens don't know that we saw hardly any screens against Middle Tennessee. That could have just been a product of not installing them yet. Um I don't know what what intrigues you the most when Alabama has the ball against Texas, what's what's the most intriguing matchup to you? Is it the offensive line or what are what are the other things you're going to be watching?
1: You know, at first of all, I think some of the bubble screens might have gone north with Bill O'Brien. He loved those. Um <laughs> they they weren't, again, they didn't really have the guys to run them last year. So a lot of those weren't terribly successful. Uh, I don't know how we'll see nearly as much as those, um, with Tommy Reese, but, um, you know, I think part of it, like if, if the tight end position is a strength or, or better than it has been for this Alabama offense, which I think it is, you know, how can they use that to their advantage? And you have four guys that we all, you know, recycled through all four of them, um, in that game, you know, the opener and, um. Yeah, it it's tricky sometimes because I think you put Robbie Oots out there, and you put Danny Lewis out there, it's kind of screams run because those are your run your uh, run blockers and then Nye Black and Depree are the guys you're gonna throw the ball to. So if you have both of them out there, you're declaring pass. What they think they're trying to do is you know put them together. You have Lewis and Nye Black or Dupree and Oots, and you have two tight ends out there, but they're doing two different things, and that doesn't really declare as much pre-snap. So um that's and that's something, you know, it's like actually Sark used a lot of tight ends. You know, it, he always liked to run pretty big protection packages where it's like eight man protection and they, Alabama would put in Kendall Randolph as a, you know, sixth offensive lineman and use him as a blocker. They'd have another tight end and tight end in there blocking and they have the running back blocking. And then they'd have two receivers on the outside that were just better than the guys they were going against. And you had a quarterback who could get them the ball. It's different now. Like I, you can put the two tight ends in there and have a, you know, a big protection and try to keep the pass rush at bay. But it's still a question of can Jalen Miller get the ball to Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond or Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks, whoever it is, or Malik Benson and can those guys win their one-on-one matchups? So it's one of those things. It's like, we've been saying all off season. we'll, We'll just have to see, but truly we'll just have to see like, this is the first real game quote unquote that, you know, these guys have all been together for with Reese and Milrow and, and this receiver group.
0: Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. I, I like the way that they kind of mixed and matched those tight ends. Cause I was kind of worried about the same thing. Like, you know, if you put, you know, Nye black into pre out there, like yes, pass, but that's, you know, that's, I, I guess that's why throughout the preseason I was kind of screaming like, Hey, like these guys need to prove. And it was more at like Oots and Lewis just because we haven't seen it yet. These guys got to prove that they can be viable, reliable pass catchers. Cause like we know in theory, they can all block. I think Nye Black missed a few blocking assignments in the first week, you know, but otherwise they all showed competency in that part of their game. So if they can all prove to be reliable pass catchers, it just, you trot 12 personnel out there and the defense has no idea what to expect. They could load up, go jumbo and run the ball. Um, or they can you know play action pass and then the DF defense is having to react. This could be a game where you know maybe we see some of that at long last. I don't know that we saw a ton of that, you know, I the didn't pay too close attention to the running game against Middle Tennessee, but they also I think it left a little bit to be desired like it's not like they were just mowing people down um in the run game and Texas ain't going to let you mow them down because those are some big bodies um and some fast linebackers. So, um be really curious to see how how that unfolds, that'll be an, an intriguing matchup. I, I guess one of my last questions for you is what which of these matchups that we've kind of discussed, um, and we've kind of bounced all over the place, but which of these matchups do you think will be the biggest in deciding Saturday's game?
1: Yeah. Uh Texas wide receivers, Alabama secondary. I think that's that's where it starts and um that could be where it ends too. But it's um yeah, I, I think from a big picture standpoint too, like it's people we can get into this the whole aspect of you win this game what does it mean um you know i think for alabama there's gonna be a lot more optimism that this is a national championship team than there probably was this offseason um you know there's still the entire sec schedule ahead of them there's still some some tough road trips AM and and auburn um that will still be on their schedule but i think there's gonna be a lot of talk of is Alabama back or, you know, is Alabama still here or whatever you want to term it as. And, um, you know, and the flip side, Alabama loses this game. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a, another conversation of is the dynasty dead, which again, it, it comes up every time they lose. In this case, it's, you know, you're talking five losses um, in the past season or past two seasons plus two games. And that's different than how things were. Um, so it's consequential it's it's a it's a consequential game and um again there's a lot of people watching it and there's a lot of people paying attention there's going to be a lot of NFL scouts in the press box um so for you know we talk about or Nick Saban talked about Jermaine Burton's future as a player like this is a big one for him um being a senior and um the people watching him and you know we know Dallas Turner and Kool-Aid and um and JC Latham are all getting the draft attention but this could also go a long way to you know, getting some of these other guys, some, some money in the NFL, this game could, um, because that's what NFL scouts wants to want to watch is how do you stack up against, you know, good competition in a big stage like this. So that's another aspect, you know, that's going to be important, but um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good game. I I, yeah. I really would be surprised if this is like a 30 point game, one direction or the other.
0: Yeah. I think, what were we saying last night when we were, you know, the group of us were sitting there waiting for Saban to come in. And, you know, I, I think there's a world where Texas wins, I think. But I, I I have a hard time picturing Texas running them out of the building. On the flip side, there's a world where I think Alabama can run them out of the building um, if they just all come out five stars across the board and just play the A game of all A games. Um, I don't know how likely that possibility is. Um, I think maybe one, one final thought to, to maybe wrap up this conversation is I, I think it's a big, I think it's a big game for the freshmen, Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor, what you got against a team that's very, very good. Um, But then I also think it's, it's, it's another, it's another big Milrow game, right? Like, and it, he had a fantastic first test against middle Tennessee, but it was middle Tennessee. This is Texas. They've got a nasty front seven. They've got better athletes all over the field. I think this dude is going to have to make some plays, be it with his arm, be it with his feet. If he can make a few plays here and there, um, I think that's what will ultimately help Alabama win this game. If he can't make those plays, I don't know that that means Alabama will lose the game, but the margin for error for everybody else is just non-existent. If, you know, do we, do we get Milro from last week? Or do we get the Milro that played in the A&M game last year? Mm-hmm. Um I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch, and it'll be interesting to see how the offense operates. It'll be interesting to see kind of you know what's your follow up performance. You know the difference between these guys that you know can contend for a national title and the guys that don't is the consistency of their play. And so can Milrow come out and do it again? Um, be very intrigued to to watch that. Um, I said this before we hit recording. I will I'll say it as kind of you know an ender here in watching the Texas rice game, I don't know that this Texas team can win a national title, but I do think they're plenty good enough to beat Alabama. If the crimson tide are not ready to go on Saturday night. Um, So I think it's going to be a really intriguing game. You got any final thoughts before we sign off here?
1: Turnovers. I think turnovers are, you know, you list them as key to a game, any game, but um, you know, particularly a close game between really two, you know, really good two teams like this. And, um it was something that was an issue for Alabama last year defensively even you know forcing turnovers they did a better job of that against middle Tennessee and preventing turnovers on offense Milrow did a better job of that when he started in this opener compared to what he did last year two hands on the ball that's right yeah he had the fumbles last year he had the interceptions and or interception against A&M um so it's that's if he can avoid that, then yeah, it puts him in a better spot. Like I said, that's kind of where their offense needs to be is a little bit more controlled and um shorten the game and you know run the ball and, and not turn it over. If you get into a shootout where you're, you know, throwing interceptions back and forth and all that, just I have a harder time picturing Alabama winning that sort of game against Texas. That's
0: just me. It would be kind of fun though to see like Hey, Tommy Reese, what you got? Like if they go into a shootout, like what's, what's in that playbook that you can just unload in the fourth quarter as teams like that are going back and forth. I, but it would be interesting. We will be back Sunday to recap Alabama, Texas. Uh, Might be me and Talty again. Might be me and Brett. Might be me and someone from Horns 247, our Texas side at 247 Sports. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247. Week two is on deck, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk again soon.